0: I'm
1: here to tell you, God doesn't want you to walk through life with shame. Jesus died to free you of that shame, but we have a part to play in that. And I think for many of us, when we start to realize that God has given us the responsibility for our own lives, his Holy Spirit convicts us and works in us, but we have to make choices. And God did that so that we can make decisions that bring him glory, which bring us joy and brings blessing to the world.
0: Personal responsibility is becoming a foreign concept in this culture. We'd rather ignore our part and distract ourselves or blame others for what's happening in our lives. Well, today on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel shares that you have a role in how joyful your life is. Yes, God wants you to experience his peace and joy on a daily basis, but that comes when you choose to follow his leading. You get to decide if you'll respond to Jesus or not. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Deuteronomy chapter 12 as he continues his message, Sacred Space.
1: God knows that left up to our own human devices we're going to have a tendency to try and either first worship the true God in a false way or we're going to start worshiping other gods. And what you find is that the children of Israel don't ever quite do this. They do it a little bit but not all the way. That's what we're going to find when we get to the book of Joshua and following, you're going to find that they didn't do it all the way and ended up being all these different things became issues that they had. now, How do we apply this to our lives? Quite simply, listen. Are you tearing down every form of idol worship that's in your heart? Or are you leaving some things in place? You gotta ask yourself. Like Jesus says, if your right eye causes you sin, you should pluck it out. And if your hand causes you sin, you should chop it off. Now, he's not really saying you should pluck your eye out and chop your hand off because you realize you could have no eyes and still have all sorts of visuals in your heart. But the idea is, the idea is, is that we need to deal ruthlessly with our sins. That we can't leave a high place or a carved image in our hearts that's going to be a place that we stumble. But you got to ask yourself, where are your stumbling places? Where are your high places? Where are your carved images that you know is a place of failure and downfall for you that you're leaving standing when God is saying, no, no, I want you to just take that thing. I want you to wipe it out. I don't want there to be any remnant where you can stumble because you've left something in place that's not supposed to be there. Take a moment and ask yourself that because we have them. There's things that maybe it's like you can't be on social media without some sort of inappropriate feelings or thoughts. Maybe you should pull yourself off that. Actually, you should, absolutely should. You know? It's like if you're somebody who struggles with internet pornography, do you have the filters on? Or do you know the way around the filters? If you know the way around the filters, then the filters are useless. So then maybe you should just get off the internet. Because you know what's amazing? Life is amazing without the internet. Like, don't get me wrong. I like that. I like, I like the internet like the next person. But like, you realize that for like over 6,000 years of humanity, however long humans have been on this earth, there's only been the internet for like 15 years. And everyone was just fine. Like everyone was fine. And I'm not being low on technology. What I'm saying is though, if that is an altar on which you worship a false God, then you need to tear that thing down. And we all have these areas in our lives that if we're serious about following Jesus, we have to ask ourselves where our vulnerabilities are. And I love the fact that the Lord says, listen, I want you to get rid of all of them. I don't want you to mess with any of them. I want you to, it doesn't matter if it's a high place, if it's a hill, if it's a garden, whatever it is, I want you to tear it all down. All those carved images, I want you to destroy them. And notice in verse four, it's very specific. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. Now, remember in the 10 commandments, the big 10, in Exodus chapter 20, where it begins with, you shall have no other gods before me. And then it says, you shall not make any carved images. See, not only is it about worshiping the true God, but it's about worshiping the true God in the right way, in the true way. And so he's like, I don't want you to co-opt these places and say that you're worshiping me there because that's not what I want. And notice what he says as you move into verse 5. But you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling place, and there you shall go. There you shall take your burnt offerings. Now, in verse 5, it's important because God has a specific place that he wants them to worship. Now, you realize from knowing your Bible that it begins with this mobile worship tent that we call the tabernacle. And then the tabernacle gives way by the time of King David and a little bit earlier that he chooses Jerusalem, right? And that name literally means the city of peace, that he chooses to place his name right there, right? So the tabernacle gives way to Jerusalem where the temple goes, and then the temple gives way to what? Anybody know? Jesus. And how do I know that? Because Jesus said, you destroy this temple and I'll raise it up again in three days. And he was talking about himself, right? So the place that God desired to be worshipped was the tabernacle, which gives way to the temple, which gives way to the living temple, the true living word, Jesus of Nazareth, the place where God meets with mankind and mankind meets with God in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Think about what that means in a world like ours—that's pluralistic, where everyone says, "Listen, you worship your way, and you worship your way, and you know whatever your higher power is, you take that." No, no, Jesus says, "No, no, no. I am the Lord, and there is no other way but by me." I remember when I read that; I didn't grow up in the church. So it's not like I was like, I just kind of always heard this stuff. And I was like, when I got older, I'm like, yeah, that's what you believe. No, no. I didn't believe any of that stuff. And I remember reading the teachings of Jesus after reading the Quran, after reading the Bhagavad Gita, after reading about Buddha and all this stuff. And I read Jesus and Jesus said, you know, I'm the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the father, but by me. And I thought to myself, ouch, because you know what I had to say to myself after that? I'm like, okay, so that's an arrogant statement. That was the first thing I thought. And the second thing I thought is what if he's right? What if he's right? I realize that some of you right now I say that and you're like, seriously? I mean, is that really the way this goes? And what I would say to you is that If you're a seeker here today And I hope that, and I know there's many of you who are If you're just kind of checking this out You have to deal with the things that Jesus said Like any teacher You have to, like, if you are intellectually honest You're going to look at the things he said And you're going to say, what do I do with this? Now, what I would tell you is that if you followed every spiritual teacher, if you just gave everyone their due, guess what? You'd end up believing in Jesus, because he's the only one who said, I'm the only way. Like, if you just said, I'm going to follow, like, eh, Jesus is the only one who said, I am the temple of the living God. I am the place where God meets with humanity, and humanity meets with God. It is me, me. And I remember having to deal with that and just being like, okay, so if it's really him, then I better follow him. (laughs) You know, but you have to realize that, that God wants us to worship and there's a place associated with it. And he doesn't want them just to worship anywhere. He says, in this place that I make my name, out of your tribes. Now, what's amazing is, is for the children of Israel, it was a location, right? It was the tabernacle and then the temple. But when you think about what he's saying, out of all your tribes, which tribe did God choose to bring the living temple from? the tribe of Judah. It's fascinating. If you go back through the book of Genesis and you see what went on with the tribe of Judah, you go back to the prophecy about the tribe of Judah in Genesis chapter 49 and all these different places. Very, very powerful to realize that God is actually choosing a person as the location, Jesus of Nazareth. And then in verse six, we go through all these different offerings. I love how in this case, brief Moses is, and if you missed it, we did a series called Sacrifice in the first, it was like about a 10 or 11 chapters of the book of Leviticus. We went in our nice leisurely pace through all the different offerings and what they mean and how they're done. So um, I could go back through them all again, but, but you're like, I missed that series. It's all, just go to our website. Just go to our media page. We have all the archives. I went slow. I explained all of them and talked about all sorts of fun stuff. But these are all the places where the sacrifices are meant to come. Right now in verse seven, and there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice in all to which you have put your hand, you and your household, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. Now, I love this, and in some ways it's proof that God is Italian, just kidding, but <laughs> but God loves to eat with his people, and you know what I love about that, because like... In that culture, when you had a meal with somebody, it denoted a oneness. And this was long before like our kind of our European properness where you have your plate and I have mine and you have your forks and I have mine. And when we're going to have a dipping sauce, I take a little spoon and put on my plate because God forbid I dip in your thing because we're all freaked out, you know. But it's like back in the day, it's like you would only have a meal with somebody who the implication was there's oneness because they didn't have that type of of propriety we would call it or concern about germs everybody would be double dipping everyone would just be pulling meat off the same thing and it was it reminded me of growing up because when i grew up everybody's hands were in your plate you know what i mean (laughs) like i'm all italian so literally my grandma she'd be like like, oh take this take it out of her mouth stick it in your mouth you know what i mean (laughs) And it's your grandma, so you just said, Thank you, grandma. You know what I mean? And so it's, but that was just the way that we lived. Like, oh, this is so good. And it was, was kind of gross, but it was the way that I was raised, so I understand this stuff. You know what I mean? And God prepared me for this. But like, when it says, like The Lord, it's about this fellowship meal, and you think about the Lord's table. God's calling us friends, my friends. Like He's calling you friend, and He's inviting you to His table. And he's saying, let's be one with one another. I want you to be here with me. I I want there to be all these walls. I want there to be an intimacy and a a free flow of relationship. And I love the fact that God's like, look, I don't want you just like taking your burger and eat it on your own. He's like, let's eat this together. Let's be together. And I love that about God. See, our God is not a distant, he's not like an absentee landlord where he's like, look, I'm a little too cool for you. You know what I mean? He's like, no, I'm going to come close. I want us to be close together. And not only did they say, I want to eat with you. In verse 7, I thought this was, And you shall rejoice in all to which you have put your hand. You and your household in which the Lord your God has blessed you. My friends, do you have that joy in your heart? In the presence of God? See, when you walk with God and you walk closely with God, you can rejoice in all that you put your hand to, not only you, but your whole family, because you're walking in truth and you're walking in grace. And I think for some of you right now, you can't rejoice in what you're putting your hand to because you're not putting your hand to the things that the Lord would have you put your hand to. And because of it, there's a shame factor. And I'm here to tell you, God doesn't want you to walk through life with shame. Jesus died to free you of that shame, but we have a part to play in that. And I think for many of us, when we start to realize that God has given us the responsibility for our own lives, His Holy Spirit convicts us and works in us, but we have to make choices and God did that so that we can make decisions that bring him glory, which bring us joy and brings blessing to the world. But think about that word, responsibility. It's responsibility. It's our God-given ability to respond to whatever is going on. And I think for many of us, we're not utilizing the ability to respond to certain temptations and struggles and things that go on and it's causing us not to be able to rejoice in everything we put our hands to. We're not experiencing God's blessing because we're making the wrong choices. Now again, you might say, man, Fusco, you're kind of hitting us hard, but listen. Listen. Your life is so important to the Lord. It's so important that he gave his own son. Like... He paid the highest price so that we might be redeemed. And each and every day, eternity is on the line in all of our hearts. Eternity is on the line in your life, right here, right now. Because the impact that God wants you to have is an eternal impact. Not just a temporal one, not just for the day. But everything that we do has an impact on people around us. Has an impact on the world around us. God wants his kingdom to be internally growing and pushing out, but if the people of God are sensing shame, not making decisions, not rejoicing, and experiencing God's blessing, that is going to hinder the expansion of God's kingdom, which is very much what's going on in our world today. Because a pastor cannot get it done for a congregation. A congregation gets it done, empowered by the Spirit, with, Lord willing, a pastor who can lead the charge. And I think for some of you, it's time... For to start owning your life in Jesus' name. So I've been talking with our pastors about this a lot, that we need to own the authority that God has given us in Christ. And what's amazing is, is, brothers and sisters, you need to own the authority that God has given you in your life. The authority over the decisions that you make, the authority over the way that you respond to whatever the things that are going on around you. And we need to say, Lord, I want to be able to rejoice in everything I put my hand to because I'm experiencing your blessing because everything I put my hand to are the things that God is asking me to put my hands to. And I think for some of us right now, you need to take your hand off of certain things because God has not asked you to put your hand on that. You've chosen it. You've, you've made a decision. And, and the beauty is, is just as you made your decision to put your hands on that thing, you can make the decision to take your hands off because you're not supposed to be messing with that anyway. And brothers and sisters, if we were to do that, if all of us were to remove our hands from the things that God doesn't want, then our hands are freed up to put our hands on the things that God does want. And I believe that for if each one of us tonight would just to take that step, would to do that, something powerful would happen. Because God's kingdom with the body of Christ, each one of us adding what we have to add, all of us working together and the kingdom will grow. Because God desires his kingdom to flood this earth as the water covers the sea. I love this. Verse 7 gripped me. It just grabbed me today. It just said, oh, Daniel, there's stuff for you here. Now look what it says in verse 8. It says, you shall not at all do as we are doing here today, every man doing what is right in his own eyes. Now that's kind of a nasty verse, isn't it? Because... This is Moses talking like 4,000 years ago, but that sure reads a whole lot like 21st century America, doesn't it? Where everyone just does what's right in their own eyes. And this is talking about a holy form of conformity. God's saying, look, I want to conform all of you. You're all unique in Christ, but I want to conform you. I want to hem you in to be under the authority of Jesus so that we don't all do what's right in our own eyes. We do what's right in Jesus's eyes where we start to have the same mind. We start to think with the mind of Christ. We allow the spirit of God to start to put in those guardrails in our lives. But I think for a lot of us, we really like just doing what's right in our own eyes. I'm I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. Who are you to tell me what I can do with my life? I'm here to tell you I'm nobody. But Jesus can tell you what to do with your life because you were bought at a price. And you are not your own. Therefore, we need to glorify God in our bodies and in our spirits. He's like, no, no, because really what was going on then is that everybody was worshiping in their own. They were doing it all differently. Everyone, even though they had it, it all together, it wasn't solid. It wasn't locked in. And he's saying, it's, it's not going to be like that. Where everyone just does what comes to their own mind. Unfortunately, this verse is challenging for us in our culture because we live in such a radically individualistic culture. The autonomy of the individual is the highest priority in our day and age. And it's true in the church as well. You know. And so we have to say, Lord, I'll never forget my pastor, John Henry, who I love so much. I remember there was a, an issue going on in the worship ministry at the church that I was apprenticing at. There was just an issue. And he walked into the meeting, and they're like, well, Pastor John Henry, you're not supposed to be in this meeting. And he's like, well, I am the lead pastor of the church. You know." And he's like, but let me tell you this. I don't care what you want. I don't care what I want. What does Jesus want? And it was amazing, the whole worship team quit that night. You know what? Because they didn't care. They only cared what they wanted. They didn't care what Jesus, they just didn't care what they wanted. And I remember, I'll never forget, I was was sitting there in that meeting, and he's like, I don't care what you guys want. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. You know? And he's like, I don't care what I want either. What what does Jesus want for this ministry? And I thought to myself, yeah. Maybe you got to say, I don't care what I want, Lord. I care what you want. What do you want? And that's what happens when we're not bent on it about being what I want, what's right in my own eyes. You start saying, I don't care what I want. My wants are my own personal Judas anyway. Jesus, what do you want for my life? Oh, brothers and sisters, that we would be asking those type of questions. we saying, Lord, not what I want. Who cares what I want? What I want changes every five seconds anyway. Lord, what do you want? What gives you pleasure in my life? Lord, what is your plans and purposes for me and who I am? So we don't want to have this kind of rugged individualism. Verse nine: For as yet you have not come to the rest of the inheritance which the Lord your God is giving you, but when you cross over the Jordan and dwell in the land, verse ten, that the Lord your God is giving you to inherit, and He gives you rest from all of your enemies round about, so that you dwell safely. Then there will be the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. There you will bring all that I command you. So he's saying, listen, he's like, you're not in the promised land yet. You haven't come to the rest yet, but there's a time that's going to come that you will enter in and I will give you that rest and then I will set this sacred space up for you that you can worship there. Now, look at verse 13. because It says, take heed to yourself that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see but in the place which the Lord chooses, in one of your tribes, there you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I command you. That line, take heed to yourselves. It's a very common phrase in the Bible. Notice it doesn't say, take heed to your spouse. It doesn't say, take heed to your friends. It says, take heed to who? Yourself. Super important, because you know what's amazing? We're really good at figuring out the mistakes that someone else is making, and we're often the last person to realize the mistakes that we're making. So that's why Jesus said, before you worry about the speck in your brother's eye, take the plank out of your own eye. He's saying, look, you got more than enough to deal with in home base. Let's be honest. We have a tendency to give ourselves infinite grace and give everybody else a hard time. And it shouldn't be that way in the body of Christ. We should know better because we have the scriptures and we have the Lord saying, listen, no, 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 listen, I, I wanna work on you. I'm gonna work on them too, but you got enough to deal with on your own. Make sense? Take heed to yourself. Are you taking heed to yourself? Or are you really good at taking heed to everybody else? You always know when someone's not taking heed to themselves because they're really good at taking heed to everybody else. They're worried about everyone else's business. It's like, man, if you took five seconds to worry about your own business, you would realize that you being worried about everyone else's business, that's a sin too. All the things you see in someone else, man, you got your own set of stuff going on. You know, and you know, what? I love the Bible that way because the Bible, it's like, it's got some teeth to it, doesn't it? It kind of messes with you, you know? And every once in a while, like, you know, it's not like I make the mistake of like I'm taking heed to Lynn or whatever. And I'm like, man, and the Lord's like, Daniel, you got some issues, man. What are you doing? You know, like, I got all sorts of stuff I got to do. And you I got like an eternity plan for you, Fusco. We're just in like phase two right now of the renovation I'm doing in your life. You know and i just feel comfortable because i know that that's the same thing for you it's like you're like not even in like the finished carpentry work of the renovation god's doing in your life man he's doing some serious demo right so take heed to yourself let the lord do what he wants to do in you and you will be so consumed with what he's doing in us that if we do notice the speck in somebody else's eye will the way we would approach them will be so humble and kind because you're like listen like god is like demoing a whole section of my life right now so like i'm nobody but i do love you and i'm concerned about this with you and it's a whole different approach than well let me tell you why you are letting me down or whatever you know what i mean and it's like and that whole thing what it shows is that you're so busy looking at someone else's life that you're not taking the time to look at your own life Jesus is
0: Today, Pastor Daniel pointed out that we all have a tendency to want to point out the issues in other people's lives before looking at our own. And so there are reminders throughout the Bible to take stock of yourself before looking at others. Pastor Daniel urged you to let the work that God is doing in your life keep you humble and grateful. Everyone is a work in progress. All of our lives are being renovated by the Lord. I want to thank
1: you so much for listening to Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it, though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400. And my team will get in
0: touch with you We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you. So don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus. Take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel asks you if you're living a life of radical selflessness in the things you are giving to the Lord. As you study how the Israelites were to handle meat sacrifices, you'll be reminded that it can be hard to give things to God when you'd rather use them on yourself. Pastor Daniel will challenge you to take stock of your heart attitude as you consider your generosity toward God. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series called Blueprints. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.